Chapter Ten of Some Eminent Women of Our Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. Some Eminent Women of Our Times by Millicent Garrett Fawcett. Chapter Ten Agnes Elizabeth Jones count not that man's life short who has had time to do noble deeds from cicero there is something very interesting in tracing as we are sometimes able to do the connection of one piece of good work with another the energy devotion and success of one worker stimulates the enthusiasm of others this enthusiasm does not always show itself in carrying on or developing what has been already begun but sometimes manifests itself in the more difficult task of breaking new ground and thus one good work becomes the parent of another an example of what is here referred to is to be found in the work of mrs fry to her initiative may be traced not only the kindred labours of mary carpenter in reformatory and industrial schools and the still more modern efforts for the better care of neglected children by the boarding-out system and by such societies as the metropolitan association for befriending young servants but to her also may indirectly be traced the success with which women have devoted themselves to the art of sick nursing and from this again has spread or grown out the movement for extending to women a thorough medical education and training mrs fry's connection with the art of sick nursing came about in this way in the first quarter of this century a young german named fliedner was appointed pastor to the little weaving village of kaiserworth on the rhine he endeared himself to his people by his devotion to them but the time came when he was forced to leave them the whole village was involved in ruin because of the failure of the industry on which its inhabitants depended the people not only could not support their pastor but were themselves reduced to the greatest straits of actual want he left them in order to seek in wealthier places not maintenance for himself but help for them after travelling for some time in germany he came to england and while here still intent on making known the wants of kaiserworth he met with mrs fry and was deeply interested in all she was doing for the benefit of prisoners not long after this he returned to kaiserworth bearing with him the gifts he had collected to relieve the pressing wants of his people but his mind was now full of mrs fry and of what was being done in england by and for women he and his wife resolved to begin similar work in germany they began with two young women just discharged from a neighbouring prison whose relations refused to receive them or have anything further to do with them soon the number of discharged prisoners increased and the pastor and his wife felt that they must have help a friend therefore came to join them in their work in this way and from this small beginning grew in time a very large institution comprising not only an organization to enable discharged prisoners to get work and regain their character but a home and school for orphans a hospital for the sick and an asylum for lunatics the whole of the work of this institution which occupied several houses and comprised more than three hundred persons was done by carefully trained women called deaconesses 
kaiserworth was the parent of all the other deaconesses institutions which now exist in almost every part of the world the predominating spirit at kaiserworth after that of religious self-devotion to which a first place was given was that the work of caring for the poor the sick and the afflicted can only be rightly undertaken after a long course of special preparation and training it was a protestant sisterhood those who entered were first called novices in time the novices became deaconesses and the deaconesses were expected to bind themselves to remain in the institution five years they were however bound by no vows and could always leave if other duties seemed to require that they should do so in this institution the art of sick nursing acquired a perfection at that time unknown in any other part of europe it was here mainly that florence nightingale received the training which enabled her to save the lives of so many of our soldiers in the crimea and to introduce into england a new era in the history of nursing here too agnes elizabeth jones was trained miss nightingale's often repeated lesson on the subject of the necessity of long and careful training was not lost upon agnes jones when she left kaiserworth she knew as miss nightingale said more than most hospital matrons know when they undertake matronship but she was not content with this after working for a time with the london bible women's mission she applied to the training school for nurses at st thomas's hospital for another year's training she entered the hospital as a nightingale probationer she went through while she was there the whole training of a nurse to quote miss nightingale again referring to this period her reports of cases were admirable as to nursing details she was our best pupil she went through all the work of a soldier and she thereby fitted herself for being the best general we ever had before referring to agnes jones's crowning work in reorganizing the nursing staff of the liverpool workhouse infirmary it will be well to recall the story of her life there are a few incidents in it none at all of a sensational character but perhaps this makes the lesson to be learnt from it all the more plain and simple she was born at cambridge of irish parents in eighteen thirty two her father was a colonel in the twelfth regiment and her descent was from the north irish stock that had furnished so many great names to the roll-call of the worthies of our nation she was a protestant evangelical of the type which northern ireland produces it is easy to label the religious sect to which she belonged as narrow and unattractive but however this may be as exemplified in her personality her religion was too intense a reality to be unattractive it permeated her whole life from the time when as a child of seven her dream was to become a missionary to the hour when she died of typhus taken from a patient in the liverpool infirmary to whom she had given up her own room and bed another deep and permanent influence on her mind and character was her love for ireland over and over again in her letters we come across expressions which show how close to her heart lay her country's good the training at kaiserworth was intended to be utilized for the good of ireland i have no desire she wrote to become a deaconess that would not i think be the place i should be called upon to occupy no my own island first it was for ireland's good that my first desire to be used as a blessed instrument in god's hands was breathed 
and in ireland is it my heart's desire to labour in another letter she refers to the time when she then and there dedicated herself to do what she could for ireland in its workhouses infirmaries and hospitals in another place she speaks of being retained in england for another year's training and exclaims my last english sojourn i hope as ireland is ever my born and again my heart is ever in ireland where i hope ultimately to work her heart's desire was never gratified she laid down her life at the age of thirty-five in the liverpool workhouse before she had had an opportunity of giving her own dear land the benefit of all she had learned by the patient years of training at kaiserworth and in london ulster protestant as she was to the backbone and a member of the church of england she was a true patriot and showed her patriotism by labouring with self-denying earnestness to fit herself to lift up to a higher level an important branch of the social life of her country she was very much stimulated as so many women were by the heroism of the nightingale band of nurses who left england for the crimea in eighteen fifty four she listened with vehement inward dissent to those who cast contempt and blame on them and in her words almost worshipped their brave leader she had paid a visit of a week to kaiserworth in eighteen fifty three but home duties especially the care of a widowed sister at that time and for some years prevented her from fulfilling her strong desire for a course of thorough training in the art of nursing it was not until eighteen sixty that she returned to kaiserworth for this purpose very soon after her year of preparation there she received through miss nightingale an invitation from mr w rathbone to undertake the superintendence of the liverpool training school for nurses of the poor she was overwhelmed by a genuine sense of her inadequacy to the task she was a sincerely humble-minded woman and not only craved more training in the mechanical difficulties of nursing but doubted her own powers of organising directing and superintending she hesitated and while hesitating joined mrs reynard in her london bible woman's mission her work here was interrupted by a telegram summoning her to rome to nurse a sick sister as soon as the sister recovered another invalid relative claimed her by their bedsides she felt to a certain extent her own power and the question often arose in her mind could i govern and teach others as soon as these private cares were over she visited nursing institutions in switzerland france and germany and before she returned to england she determined to go for another year's training to st thomas hospital and then to offer herself for the difficult post at liverpool i determined she writes at least to try if every one shrinks back because incompetent who will ever do anything lord here i am send me she did not on leaving st thomas's immediately commence her work at liverpool she was for a short time superintendent of a small hospital in bolsover street and later she filled a similar post at the great northern hospital it was not till the spring of eighteen sixty five that she took the place at liverpool with which her name is chiefly connected the old system in pauper infirmaries was to allow the patients to be nursed by old inmates of the workhouse among those to whom the care of the sick was confided were worn-out old thieves 
worn-out old drunkards and worse mr w rathbone of liverpool strongly urged on the guardians of that place to do away with this wretched system and to substitute in the place of these ignorant and often vicious women a staff of trained paid nurses he generously undertook to defray the whole cost of the new scheme for three years by which time he believed the improvement effected would be so great that no one would for a moment dream of going back to the old plan it was to the post of superintendent of the band of trained nurses that agnes jones was called in the spring of eighteen sixty five it was no light task for a young woman of thirty-three she had under her about fifty nurses a hundred and fifty pauper scourers and from one thousand two hundred and twenty to one thousand three hundred and fifty patients the winters of eighteen sixty five and eighteen sixty six will long be remembered as the terrible period of the cotton famine in lancashire the workhouse infirmary at liverpool was not only full but overflowing a number of patients often arrived when every bed was full then the gentle authority of sister agnes as she was called had to be exercised to induce the wild rough patients to make way for one another sometimes she had to persuade them to let her put the beds together and place three or even four in two beds the children had to be packed together some at the head and some at the foot of the bed she speaks of them as nests of children and mentions that forty under twelve were sent in one day this overfilling of the workhouse was of course no ordinary occurrence and was due to the exceptional distress in lancashire at that time the number of deaths that took place for the same reason was unusually large sister agnes speaks in one of her letters of seven deaths having occurred between sunday night and tuesday morning the dreadful melancholy of the place bore upon her with terrible weight there was not only the depressing thought that most of the inmates were there in consequence of their own wickedness or folly but added to this the patients were isolated from friends and relatives whose visits do so much to cheer an ordinary hospital there were patients with delirium tremens wandering about the wards in their shirts there were little children some not more than seven steeped in every kind of vice and infamy i sometimes wonder she wrote in a moment of despair if there is a worse place on earth than liverpool and i am sure its workhouse is burdened with a large proportion of its vilest some of the best and most deeply rooted instincts of human nature seem to turn into cruelty and gall in this terrible place one of the difficulties of the nurses was to prevent the mothers of the babies who were still at the breast from fighting and stealing one another's food they had nothing to do but nurse their babies and they would hardly do that the noise quarrelling and dirt prevailing in their neighbourhood was a constant source of trouble and anxiety another trouble was the mixture among the patients of criminal cases necessitating the presence of policemen constantly on the premises the ex-pauper women too whom sister agnes was endeavouring to train as assistant nurses were a great anxiety one morning after they had been paid their wages five arrived at the hospital tipsy after some months of constant effort and constant disappointment the attempt to train these women was given up besides the strain on nerves temper and spirit arising from all these causes 
the physical work of agnes jones's post was no light matter her day began at five thirty a m and ended after eleven added to this if there was any case about which she was specially anxious or any nurse about whose competence she did not feel fully assured she would be up two or three times in the night to satisfy herself that all was going well her nurses were devoted to her and as a rule gave her no anxiety or discomfort which could be avoided her only distress on their account arose from a severe outbreak of fever and smallpox among them which was a source of much painful anxiety to her miss nightingale said of her that she had a greater power of carrying her followers with her than any woman or man i ever knew her influence with her nurses was unbounded they would have died for her all witnesses concur in speaking of her wonderful personal influence and the effect it produced the infirmary began to show the results of her presence within a month of her arrival in the three years she spent there she completely changed the whole place at first the police to whose presence reference has already been made were astonished that it was safe for a number of young women to be about in the men's wards for they well knew what a rough lot some of the patients were but in less than three years she had reduced one of the most disorderly hospital populations in the world to something like christian discipline such as the police themselves wondered at she had led so as to be of one mind and one heart with her upwards of fifty nurses and probationers she had converted a vestry to the conviction of the economy as well as the humanity of nursing pauper sick by trained nurses she had converted the poor law board to the same view and she had disarmed all opposition all sectarian zealotism so that roman catholic and unitarian high church and low church all literally rose up and called her blessed the manner of her death has been already referred to it was in unison with her unselfish devoted life she died on the nineteenth of february eighteen sixty eight and her body was committed to the earth of her beloved island at fahan on loch swilly the home of her early years End of chapter ten